Good morning, Darren. Good morning. Please join me in the prayer of illumination as it's printed in the bulletin and on the board. Lord of power and might, the author and giver of all good things, write your word on our hearts. Help us define ourselves in you. Nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good works through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out into that land, into a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall reveal and you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, this you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus shall you say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Darren. Who are you? It's a weird question, isn't it? Like, why is she asking? She knows who we are. Who are you? Seriously, who are you? Has anyone ever asked you that? 
Has a stranger ever asked you that? Or like today, has someone known to you ever asked you that? Because the answer is different depending on who is asking, right? If a stranger asks me who I am, generally I answer with my name. I'm Charlene Thomas. If I'm in my hometown and someone asks me who I am, I'll say, I'm Charlene Thomas, but you might know me as Charlene McConaughey. Or maybe you know my mom or my dad. Or worse, maybe you know my brother. And if whatever he did, I'm sorry. If someone here in town asks me who I am, the answer is different because the context is different. If people in Tiffin ask me who I am, I say, oh, I'm Charlene Thomas, I'm Dominic's mom. Or I'm the pastor at St. Paul's. Who we are is often in relation to where we are and whose we are in that context. Sometimes I'm someone's daughter or sister. Sometimes I'm someone's mom. Sometimes I'm someone's wife. Sometimes I'm someone's pastor. So who are you? It's a loaded question. Because really, they're not asking for our name when they ask. If they were, they'd say, hey, what, what's your name? They're asking for our identity. Who are you in this place and this time. And we try to answer to the particular context. We try to answer the question of what our identity truly is in relation to the time and the place so people know us or don't know us. If I'm in a job interview and they say, so who are you? Tell me about you. I'm going to tell you all of my best attributes if I am in defense of myself and they say, who do you think you are? Then I'm going to defend myself. We all have a different identity. We all want to be known. You've all been there. Someone asks your name and, and you say, oh, I'm Charlene Thomas. And they say, oh, nice to meet you. Their response is cordial. But then when you hit on your identity, like when I say, oh, I'm Donna's daughter, they say, oh, I know Donna. And it changes. Sometimes it's, it changes. I heard giggles. It changes. So sometimes uh, we, we become better known. My mom has this fun way of introducing me. She'll say, this is my daughter, Charlene. And people will say, oh, hi. And she'll say, she's a pastor. And then they go, really? Your daughter's a pastor, Donna? And I always say, yes, God sent me to offset Donna's impact in the world. <laughs> Just kidding, Mom. Donna's daughter is a pastor, or more frequently when I say, hi, I'm Charlene, you know, I'm the pastor at St. Paul's, they say, oh, pastor changes things. It changes their expectation or their perceived knowledge of who I am or who they expect me to be. When you share your identity and you feel like the other person gets it or gets you, you feel known. But how would you feel if a bush called you by name? How would you feel when a burning but not burnt up, as Enola pointed out, bush calls you by name? Here in the middle of nowhere, this bush calls out to you. Must be God at work. In a space where Moses does not want to be known, 
he's found out. He is found. See, Moses, Moses has had several identities through his life. Born a Hebrew child. He was saved from harm when his mother let him go. And he was then adopted into Pharaoh's family. And so Moses, born a Hebrew, raised an Egyptian prince, had kind of a foot in both places. Have you ever been there? Where you're here and here? You have a little bit of each to identify with. Moses grew up in the Egyptian court. So his identity had changed in a dramatic way. He had gone from Hebrew infant to being raised as Pharaoh's grandson. And as he got older, he realized more and more that it was not equitable, his two identities. He realized that the the Hebrew people who were enslaved to the Egyptians were being mistreated and abused. And one day, he defended one of them. He saw an Egyptian soldier beating a Hebrew slave, and he stepped in, and in the fight, the Egyptian soldier died. And Moses panicked and hoped that no one saw what had happened. And he hid the body. And then the next day, he came and he saw two Hebrew slaves fighting with each other, and he said, why are you beating one another up? And the one said, who are you? Are you the boss of us? Aren't you the one who fought a slave, an Egyptian soldier yesterday? And he knew he had been found out. And he, he knew that he could no longer live with a foot in both camps, so to speak. He knew he could no longer be a bit of both, and so he could be none of either. And so he ran away and hid. So once again, Moses is facing a new identity, one that he hopes no one understands. Moses settles into a simple life, a quiet existence as a shepherd for his father-in-law. And on this ordinary day, we see him doing just that, shepherding. And I'm sure that Moses is hoping that his past will stay just that, his past. His past, he hopes, will fade from the memories of those who have known him and those who could identify him. But then, the bush. Moses' attention is captured by this flaming foliage, and he hears the voice of God call to him from amongst the leaves. Moses calls the bush. Here I am, cries the would-be prophet. Oh, how his response would change. Isn't that just like us? Here I am, God. Oh, good, go do that. Who am I? Oh, how we flip-flop. Here I am, Moses replies to the nameless voice, but the voice would not remain nameless for long, would not remain without identity for long. The voice says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And Moses hid his face in fear. God had entered into the awareness of Moses. Moses had never escaped the awareness of God. And just like how people react differently to us when they know their identity, Moses reacts differently when he realizes that the God of his ancestors is speaking to him in this moment. How often we react 
to God in this way. Unworthy of his presence, unworthy of his love, unworthy of his awareness, we feel. Isn't that where so many of us begin or begin again? We can't understand how the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Moses could know us by name and could love us. And goodness sakes, how could this God of all things trust us? How could he trust Moses with his people? He was a murderer right? You see, that's what he's calling Moses to do, though. He's calling Moses to rescue his people. But how could he ask that of Moses? Didn't he know what had happened? Didn't he know that Moses could not go back to the very same people he was hiding from, to the people that he knew would hurt him? Somebody's going to be mad on one side or the other. People that he once called family, but who were now called foe. How could he go back there? Didn't God understand? Wait, God, let me explain it to you. But God knew that true freedom often comes with looking our captor in the eye and knowing that God is bigger. True freedom comes when we visit the worst parts of our past and know that it doesn't name us. True freedom comes when we often or when we visit the worst parts of ourselves and know that God can claim them and redeem them. Moses isn't there yet. Who am I? he cries. I can't go back there. Not there. I can go somewhere else. I can't go back there. You don't, you don't understand God. I'll be hurt. I might be killed. These people are mad. I am not equipped to face this foe. But then God pushes back against Moses, perceived threats, because he doesn't truly know, and says, I will be with you. But does Moses understand what that means? Who is God to Moses? Who is this God of the ancestors, this faceless voice who calls him into danger? Who is this God of belief in Moses? Who is this God that thinks that Moses is way more capable than he believes he is? What does this God know? So who are you? Moses wants to know. Who are you? You say you go with me. What does that even mean? It's a question for us all. Who is God to us? Who do you think God is? Who do you declare your trust in? Who do we think God is when we say, well, God will be with us? What does that mean? Does that mean that God's gonna protect us from ourselves when we do stupid things? I love it when Christians say, everything happens for a reason. Yes, Sometimes we're dumb. That's the reason. Sometimes we don't think things through. Sometimes we believe more highly in ourselves than we should. Sometimes we go before we're sent. Sometimes we go to where we never would have been sent. Yes, everything happens for the reason, for a reason. Generally, the reason is us. I hate to break it to you. Who are you, God? Is God simply a divine idea in our lives, or is God a constant force that defines our lives? 
Who are you, God? Is the salvation that God offers something that defines the here and now in our lives? Or is it just an escape route from hell? Because some of us live like we are saved only to escape going to hell. Some of us don't live as if God is present with us in the here and now, making good come of every day. Sometimes we live as if salvation is a destination, not a promise to be lived into today. God hasn't just saved us from hell. God has saved us from today. We can be different today. We can face circumstances today. We can go where God calls us today because we are strengthened by him. We are accompanied by him. He believes in us. Do we live as believers now, as disciples now, or do we keep God, as a friend of mine says, do we keep God in our back pockets and pull him out whenever it's handy like a holy handkerchief? Do we pull them out whenever we find ourselves standing in a foreign land hoping no one knows us, truly knows us? Does God hold authority over our lives? What does that even mean? Does that mean that we're just afraid that God's gonna smite us at some point? Does that what God's authority looks like in our lives? Or does it look like a willing spirit that says, all right, if this is what you're calling me to do, I'll do it because you've said that you will make good things come of all things for those who are called upon your purpose. We like to put a period right in the middle of that sentence. God will make good things come. Of all things when we are called to his purpose. Does God hold authority over our lives? What does that mean? Is God our friend? Is Jesus our brother? Is the spirit our comforter, our source of power? Who are you, God? Moses asks. Who are you? And God, in his infinite wisdom and power, says, I am who I am. Great. That clears it right up. Right? I'm supposed to go back there and just say, the God of our ancestors sent me. He said his name is I am. Yeah. Because what God is trying to teach us is that I am who I am. This is my name forever. This is my title for all generations. I am. I am existence in itself. I am time. I am outside of your vocabulary. I'm outside of your structure. I'm outside of all of the ways that you try to describe me. I can do all things because I am all things. I am eternal. I am. What's really revealed in this story isn't an answer to who God is though it's an amazing and overwhelming idea. What's amazing is that God, the God of Abraham and Isaac, that same God who knows who Moses is, I mean, who really, really Moses is, and who still calls him to be a great prophet among God's people. Sometimes God, the creator, God the Father, gets kind of a bad, a bad rap. We'll say, well, that's Old Testament God. Same guy. 
God is God of all things, of all time. In this moment, when Moses had done something that was not following God's law, we see God having mercy. Not even just mercy, but calling on Moses to be different. Isn't that what God does? God calls on us to be different, to know ourselves and to believe in all of the things that God will do within us if we just allow. God says, I am all the reasons that you can't do this. I know all the things within you that stop you from doing this, and I'm here. I'm calling you anyway. I'm speaking directly to you, an abandoned, stepchild, murdering, hiding shepherd, and I'm calling you to save my people. I'm trusting you with my people. Because I am, you can be. Because I am, you can believe. You can believe that you are who I say you are. We are called to believe that God is present in our lives, active in our lives. We are called to believe that God sees more in us than we can ever believe is within us. We are called to live lives that reflect these beliefs so that others can know that God is with them and that God believes in them and God will speak directly to them and within them, even us, even them. And all God's people said, amen. I'd like to invite the band back for a a song of response. We have one job in this life. Though if I went around the room and said, who are you? People would probably say, oh, I'm a, as I said, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a pastor. We have been called for one thing. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. To the ends of the earth, go. We are called to tell people about our Jesus. Mm -hmm.